Hey, good morning. How are you this morning? Good. Good to see you. Good to see you. Glad you're here. And I ditto what Blake said about the Happy Mother's Day. We're uh, so glad that we can uh, celebrate that day here. And you can come and be a part of that. I hope you have a good, have had already a good day. And we'll continue to have a good day. Maybe you get to spend some time with your family. And that's awesome when you have a chance to do that. So hope that you enjoy that. Hey, listen, before I begin the message, we've got some good news that we want to share with you. And um, we've been emphasizing the idea of paying off our land over on 290, and we've uh, really uh, uh, challenged you to, to give toward that and to help uh, get that paid off. So I want to share with you the progress that we've been making as we have given. Um, the, the green, if you remember, if you've seen this or, or you've been on our website and seen this, the green represented what we had paid from the time that we purchased the land until 2011. The blue is when we emphasized last year, we started saying, hey, anything that you put in the future development offering envelope is going straight toward paying off that debt. So that's the blue section that we had, the light blue section for the whole year of 2011. And then this bottom section, which was white, is what we had. So we have filled in since last month, we have paid off uh, another uh, six or so blocks that we have done, which is which is equivalent of about nine thousand bucks. That was for, if you'll remember, that was forty nine something last time we showed that. So we are at forty thousand uh, dollars, six hundred eleven, forty six eleven. Give a hand to yourselves <laughs> and God. This is awesome. Now, now that represents, you know, that represents our regular monthly mortgage and then the, also the $400 a month extra out of our budget that's going toward that. But almost $7,000 of that total we paid off that month come just from you giving toward our future development through our future development offering. So that is awesome. And listen, if we continue at this rate, according to my calculations, uh, if we average what we did this last month, we'll have this thing paid off in September. Isn't that awesome? And we, our goal was to, hey, let's get this thing done by the end of the year, but we really think that we could do that. So I just want to encourage you. I want to say thank you, first of all, if you've been giving toward this. And I want to encourage you, if you're still thinking about it or you, you're not sure, I want you, to, I want you to give toward that. The challenge was, if you're not giving anything, could you do $10 a week? And we talked about, you know, that's... Make a sacrifice of, you know, a couple of cups of Starbucks a week and put that money toward future development. Or d take your lunch to work one week instead of eating out and use that money to go toward future development. Just $10 a week if you're not giving at all. And, of course, some of you are giving more than that, and that is awesome. Uh, but I just want to ch uh, challenge you to give toward this. If you have some money, maybe, I don't know, maybe you've got some money sitting around somewhere just collecting mold in a CD, and, you, and, and you're thinking, I just, I don't know, one of these days we're going to cash that thing in and do something with it. Well, maybe, you know, here's something to do with it. Just uh, put it toward that, and uh, we're, we're really excited about that. Just, again, as another reminder, this is, this is an, a, first, a first step as we get this paid off, as we continue to think about what God wants us to do in the future. What are we going to do as far as a building? Where are we going to be? We're not going to meet here forever in case if you're visiting and wonder, wondering, uh, you know, we're not going to be here forever. And this is the first step. And man, are we making some big strides toward that. So that is awesome. Keep it up and we'll keep you posted. You can go online and see this and uh, see what's going on there. So um, just real encouraging. So again, thank you. I also uh, want to share some information with you that's uh, available for you. We've been doing this parenting series, 
and we've talked about some things uh, as far as uh, just different concepts of what it means to parent, and we told you that we would have some resources for you uh, other than things that maybe we mentioned or, or including the things that maybe we have mentioned as we've preached these sermons. But uh, there's there are a couple of ways you can access this information. We have just on a, a list. It's not a conclusive list. It's not an end-all list, but it's just some good resources for parenting help, if you would like to explore that a little further or look into some other topics that we've talked about, uh, there's a, a actual printout on our on our vi- uh, information table. If you'd like to just go by and take one of those, you're welcome to do that. That's what, why we have printed them up. Also, you can go on our website at freedomfellowshipsc.com. You can find that information there. And the good thing, if you'll go to the website, is those uh, you can click on the live link and it'll take you straight to that resource. So. Um, you, it's a, be a little quicker way to get there if you're um, more apt to want to do it electronically. That would be a great way to get that information. So you can pick it up on the information table or go to the website. And it's just good resources. All of them may not apply to you. Uh, maybe you've used some of them, but we just want to kind of open the window for you in case there are some things that you haven't thought about, some resources that maybe you did not know was out there. Some of them are just good websites that you can go to. And once you get there, there's just thousands of things that you can find that will help you as you parent, so uh, hope that, that you will take advantage of those resources. Um, and uh, you know, I hadn't thought about it, but obviously, um, some of you may have uh, you may have some good resources of your own that you don't see on that list. Or e- email them to me or somebody at the church, and we, we may uh, update that and include that because you very well may know of some things that, that we're not even familiar with as you've uh, been in that mode of, of parenting. So, okay, well let's. Let's continue our uh, parenting uh, series this morning, and uh, if you have your Bibles with you, in just a little bit, we're going to turn to the book of Luke, so you can go ahead and find that. That's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, the third gospel in the New Testament, but uh, go ahead, you can go ahead and get there, put your finger there in just a minute, we'll, we'll get there, but um, here, here's some things that I just kind of want to share with you this morning, and, and as we continue on this parenting series, I want to remind you of a couple things, first of all. And it's this, we've talked about a lot of different things, and we've given uh, biblical principles and, and showed you things from the Bible, and we'll continue to do that. But I, I want you to know this, that the things that we are offering to you are not some magic pill, okay? It's not a uh, formula that if you put X and Y together, you will always end up with Z. And so we don't want you to, to think that, okay, all I have to do is, you know, they said do this, do this, do this, and then my child's going to turn out perfect and everything's going to be great, right? But here's what I want you to think about is that these are biblical principles, and, and we are teaching them because they are biblical principles. They are ideas presented in the Bible of, of examples of how people have parented scriptures about applying to being a parent. And so here's the thing that's important to remember. When you practice biblical principles as a parent, the win for you is that you're being obedient to God and doing what God wants you to do as a parent. You're, uh, you're doing the things and you, as you read, as you study, as you hear, and you say, I, that applies to us. You're taking what the Bible says and you're making a conscious choice to say, that is going to be the way that I parent. That's going to be the way that we parent. That is a win for you because you're being obedient to God. If you have this idea, if, if you heard, hey, parenting series, my kids are trouble. I'm going to go get some, you know, some magic dust to throw on them, and then they'll all be fine. You're, you're going to have a problem. 
Because if you do that, what you're doing is you're pretty much using the Word of God as some kind of magic genie lamp, and you're going to rub it and hope that the results end up the way that are perfect. So you might be disappointed because here's the thing, right? Humans, adults, and children ultimately have the opportunity to choose, right? So, and some of you, and this is what we're talking about this morning, what happens when you feel like you've done things the way that you're supposed to? You feel like you've been a good parent. You've, you've done things biblically, and, and as far as your conscience goes and everything, you feel like you've done a good job. What happens when you do that, and yet your child still chooses to rebel? What do we do? Do we say, oh, well, I guess those things didn't work. You know, the Bible's really not true, or if I would have done all that, then my child would have turned out differently. Well, if you've lived long enough as a human, you realize that, that as we have choices to make. God doesn't force us to do things. God, we're not robots that God manipulates and makes us choose Him. And I'm thankful that He's that way. Wouldn't that be a boring world if we didn't have a choice and God just made us all exactly the same as robots and it was a given that everybody was going to always do exactly what God wanted. We had no free choice at all in anything. I'm glad that God allows us to choose. And our children also have a, uh, an option to choose. And you may be presenting things exactly correct. And you may, doing the, may be doing the best job that you can do. But your child, my children, still have a choice of whether they're going to choose to obey that or not, or not. Just like you have a choice of whether you're going to parent that way or not. So the kids have a choice. And so uh, what do we do? when things don't go the way that we wanted them to, when our, when our child rebels against uh, us as parents, when our children rebel against God, and they do things that you thought, oh, I, I never thought my child would do that. I never, I never thought my child would act that way. I never thought I'd hear that come out of my child's mouth. I never thought I would see my child hang out with those kinds of people. I never thought the way that I grew up and the way that I taught my children, I never dreamed in a million years that my children would stray from that and, and go off and do things that were just horrible and very uh, dishonoring to the family and to God and to the faith that we have taught them. What do we do when that happens? The family values go down the drain. The morals go down the drain. Uh, they become hateful. They become more and more self-centered. In essence, what I'm talking about this morning is, you know, what do you do when your child leaves all of that? You've taught it. You've modeled it. You've tried your best. You've not been perfect, but you've tried your best. Maybe you've not tried your best. Maybe you haven't tried very hard and your child still rebels. What do you do when your child leaves those things of God and leaves those things that are important? So here's the statement that I want you to write down. This is kind of in a nutshell to sum up the things that I'm going to talk to you about this morning. And write this down, and maybe this will help you remember it. When your child chooses to leave, you must choose to love. When your child chooses to leave, you must choose to love. Now, there's a couple things, and we're going to look at this story in just a minute, of, of what that means. And I, what do you mean, I, I choose to love? How, how can I do that? And I'm going to share the story in the Bible with you about that and share some, some things with you about that. But here's just a reminder to us all. God knows what it's like to experience rebellious children. All right? Just read the Bible. <laughs> Let's start from the beginning. Adam and Eve. Right? 
God says you can do anything you want to, but don't eat from this tree. And then they say, oh, hey, here's an idea. Let's eat from that tree that God said that we couldn't eat from, right? Right off the bat, from the very beginning of creation, when God created the first human beings, those human beings chose to be rebellious uh, against God. God knows what, that, what that's like. Read through the scriptures and you'll see prominent leaders like Moses who disobeyed God, who uh, David who disobeyed God and was rebellious against God. Read all of the different kings of Israel and you will find that the majority of them disobeyed God and were rebellious to him. God knows what it's like for people to be in rebellion against him. And oh, by the way, let's not forget you and me. Have you been rebellious against God? If you say no, somebody just slide away from you so you don't get struck by lightning. We've been rebellious to God, haven't we? I mean, first of all, if, if before you became a believer, you were rebellious against God by sinning against Him and, and not accepting Him as your Savior. That, that's rebellion against God and His ways. After you became a Christian, there are still things in our lives. First John tells us that, that we still have sin. If we confess that sin, He's just to forgive us, but we, we all still have sin in our lives. So even as a believer in Christ, as much and as hard as we try, there are times in our lives where we are still rebellious with our Heavenly Father. So God knows what that's like. But as parents, what I want to remind you this morning is you know what it's like too because you've been a rebellious person. So here we're going to talk about in Luke 15, if you're there, this concept of, you know, when, you choose, when your child chooses to leave, you choose to love. When, when you chose to rebel, God chose to love, didn't he? When you chose to rebel, God chose to love. You don't have to turn there. Look at Romans 5.8. It says, uh, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In the very midst of our rebellion against God, God chose to send His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us, not because we were good, not because we showed some signs of promise or some signs of hope. It's because He said, hey, even while in the midst of your sin, while you, we were still sinners, Christ came and died for us so that we could have life and live with Him eternally. That is a God who loves us and who cares about us and certainly understands rebellion. So, uh, so let's look in Luke 15. If you'll turn there, if you're not already there, I'm just going to read this story, the whole, the whole part of this, well, not all of it, but verses uh, all the way up through uh, 24. It starts in verse 11 of chapter 15. It says this, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided up his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off to a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven 
and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called, to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. What a party. Wouldn't you like to have been there? That sounds like that was an awesome time. But what I want you to look at is uh, three different things in this passage and, and some things that we can look at. When your child chooses to leave, you must choose to love. We must choose to love unconditionally. You can go back and look in verse 21 and 24 and look what happened. Unconditionally. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against Heaven and against you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said, and then it goes on to say all the things he did. He said, quick, bring the robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. And on it goes of how much the father was glad that the son was home and they were ready to accept him and to have a party. Listen, unconditional love. Now, I want to tell you what that's not, because this is how we associate it sometimes. Unconditional love is not condoning the behavior of your loved one. It's not giving in to them and their ways. It's not being a doormat and letting them abuse you and use you and take advantage of you. That's not unconditional love. Unconditional love literally is this. It, unconditional love means loving as if there is no condition. I love you because I love you. Not, I love you if you make straight A's. I love you if you're at the top of your class. I love you if you always make me happy and never disobey me. I love you if you show respect to other people. I love you if you can fill in the blank. And maybe things that you put... The conditions, maybe you put on your own children without even realizing it, but it's things that they have picked up to know that they are uh, shown that they're loved only when certain things happen. That is conditional love, not unconditional love. Unconditional love says, I love you. The conditions are irrelevant. They don't matter. They have consequences. There's going to be problems, yes, but as far as my love is concerned for you, that does not change. It cannot change. It will not change. My love is unconditional. And that's the love that the Father showed here for this son. Now, time frame, I'm not sure of how much time took place. But it says that he got his money, and not long after that, he gathered up his stuff and he left. Symbolically, physically leaving and symbolically leaving behind everything that he had been taught as he had grown up. He left it all behind and went to not a neighboring town, but to a distant country, far away from what he had been taught, far away from the influences of home, 
far away from anything that had been a part of his life. In a sense, he took what he had and he left it all behind. When he comes back and he says, I'm not worthy to be your son. I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you and I'm not worthy to be called your son. The father did not give him a lecture. The father did not give him the I told you so's. Well, I would have known you'd never made it out in the world by yourself. I told you you couldn't have done that. There's no way you would have made that. You've been disobedient and you shouldn't do that. The father didn't say, I'm kind of glad you're home, but you're going to have to show that you can behave yourself for about two months and prove to me that you behave. And if you can do that for two months, we're going to celebrate and have a party. Those are all conditional things. If you will do this, then we will show you that we care for you. Then we will treat you like you are somebody. Then we will pretend like you are important. And we'll get happy and we'll say that we're glad that you're home. None of that was present in this story. The father saw him, hugged him, kissed him, loved him, was so happy that he was back. There was none of the conditions. It was, hey, you are back. We are excited. We are going to have a party and celebrate. But what if the son messed up the next day? What if in two weeks, and and the thing about this story, unless I've missed it somewhere, I have no idea how the rest of the story turns out other than you read about how his brother acted. And by the way, go back and read the rest of that and see that you may identify with the brother. Because the brother just gets mad that the dad was so nice to, you know, the brother had stayed home the whole time. He'd been to Goody Two-Shoes. He'd done everything dad wanted. And now the dad's throwing the party for the wayward son. You know, see if that doesn't hit home sometimes. But I'm not sure exactly. We're not told that three years later, the boy gathers his stuff and moves back to a distant land. We're not told. But we are shown the example of what it means to give unconditional love. Again, it's not condoning. The father didn't say, oh, that's great. You know, you messed your life up. No big deal. Blah, blah, blah. It wasn't condoning. It It wasn't being a doormat. It wasn't giving in. It wasn't doing any of that stuff. It was purely showing the son the love that the Father had for him, based solely on his love, not his condition. And that, I know, is so hard to do because if you experience children who rebel, and some of you may be right in the middle of this right now, it may be on a smaller amount, maybe, I don't know, some of you may have children who have literally left, and they're gone, and they're not practicing in their moral lives anything like you taught, and they're doing all kinds of stuff that's causing harm to themselves, maybe. I don't know. But you can say, you don't know how hurtful that is. You don't understand how that feels. You don't know how hard that is to deal with. And I can tell you, I don't. Because I've not been there. And I hope that I don't have to go there. But I can tell you from this example and from God's example to us that the, the unconditional love is what God wants us to show. And sometimes it's a matter of being able to say, I'm going to show them I love them, forget, well, what will people think? If people see me treating them in a kindly, loving way, they're going to think that I really don't care that how awful they've been, or they're going to think I'm a bad parent. Throw all that out the window and realize that that is your child. God has given you that child, and you are called to show that child unconditional love. Your child has a choice. How will they respond? That, that is going to be their choice. You have your choice of how you're going to respond and how you're going to be obedient to God. So unconditional love. The father didn't hold a grudge. You know, if you go back 
And uh, you can go back and look at those verses starting in verse 11 where the, the son comes to the father and he says, Hey, Dad, you know, I've been thinking, why don't you just uh, give me my inheritance? Now, I don't know. You, we may not think that to be such a huge deal. It, it still, you know, slaps in the face a little bit, even in our culture. But especially in that time, in that day, you know, inheritances usually come when? When somebody... You can say dies in church. It's okay. You don't have to be morbid, right? Inheritance, you, some, you, we usually receive an inheritance from a loved one or somebody we know that dies and they leave it behind. So in essence, what this son was saying to the father, hey, Dad, I really, um, I really wished you were dead, okay? Why don't you just give me all the stuff that's coming to me when the day it is that you die and, you know, I'll just pretend like you're dead and I can get my stuff. Now, that's pretty hateful. But the way that the father responded was awesome. And I'll talk about that more in just a minute as we look at one of the other things in this story. But just to know that here was this, this son that was showing hatred toward his father. I don't know what other words were used. I don't, we don't have a record of what else was said before he packed his stuff up and left. But he packed his stuff up and he left. And I think, according to the way that reads, with the father knowing that the son has basically just written me off. He's, he's wished me dead. He's, he's taken my stuff and he's left me behind. The dad still did not hold a grudge. And when that son came back, he was ready to receive him. Open arms, party and all, unconditionally. So I want to challenge you. One of the ways that we show our love to our children is unconditionally. When they choose to leave, we have to choose to love. And we do that unconditionally. And then there's another example here as we look back in, in verse 20. Um, that we love long. Love unconditionally. Love long. I know it's not a good choice of words. It's not a good, you know, but it's, it's in the Bible here. So that's why I use that. Look at verse 20. It says, uh, so he got up and he went to his father, this son, the son, coming back home. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him and ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Now, the, I've always heard this preach, this idea that the dad was waiting, you know, looking down the road. And that may, very well may have been what, what happened. But here's the thing. The dad had not forgotten about him. The dad had not forgotten that, yes, he's got a son that's home. The son is doing all the things a good son's supposed to do. But he has another son that has left and has not come back home yet. And that was always on this father's mind. It, I think it just had to be because the story tells us when the son decided to come home, the dad was watching. The dad was waiting. He had not forgotten um, what had happened. It's, a, it's, it's loving long. It's holding on. It's not loving until something else happens and then forgetting about it. And that's where the unconditional love comes in. To be able to love unconditionally, then we, we can love long. If we're just loving them not based on the conditions, we can love them for who they are. And we can stay with it and we can keep with it. And this dad did that. He didn't, um, he, he didn't uh, just forget about him. He was, it was always on his mind, I imagine. You know, he was still looking. He was still hoping. He was probably still praying that one day this son would come back and be with them so they could be together as a family. But what if it's a long time? 
Now, how long do I have to wait? You don't know my situation. I've got a child who's been out there. You don't know how hateful they've been. You don't know what, they, what they've done. How long do I wait? Are they ever going to return home? I can't answer that if they ever will because they have a choice. But I can tell you this, according to the Bible, if you're a parent who stays with them and you love long with them, you look for them, you pray for them, regardless of how hard it is, you stick with it, you do not give up, and you pray for that day that that child will return. So how long? Long. However long it takes. Unconditionally, as long as it takes. Well, you don't know what they said to me before they left. You don't know how bad I've been hurt. You don't know the things that have been done in the meantime. Do I really have to forgive them? Yes. It's not an option. Look over in Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18 verses 21 and 22. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother? When he sins against me, up to seven times. Peter's thinking, hey, seven's kind of a stretch. Maybe, you know, if I forgive him seven times. And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Or some translations in some marks, 70 times seven. And the idea is not a literal, let me multiply this out and I'll start counting so that I can get to the end of my forgiveness with them and then I'll be over with that. The idea is that you keep on. You don't have an option. You forgive them. You forgive them. You don't condone their sin. You don't condone the way you've been treated. You don't give in to their manipulation. But you forgive them. It's not an option. However long it takes. If we don't, and we've preached, we've preached that, you've read that. When you don't forgive, it harms you as much or more than it does anybody else. And that interferes with your relationship with God, which ultimately interferes with the way you interact with not only that child, but everybody that you're around. It is a relationship between you and God. That is foremost the importance. Being obedient to God. Your relationship between you and God. That has to be at the top of the agenda. Or all other relationships are going to suffer. So how, do I, how many times do I have to forgive them? You have to, you have to forgive them. But you don't know. I, I may not know. But I can tell you according to the Bible. You have to forgive them. And you may need to pray to ask God to help you with that and know how to do that and know what to do. But it's not an option for you not to forgive. If you're not willing to forgive your child for rebelling against you, then you're rebelling against your Heavenly Father. There's no difference. It's the same. When you mess up, do you not want God to forgive you? When you rebel against God, do you not want Him to wipe that slate clean and let you have a fresh start and feel like that things are good between you and Him? Why would your child not want that from you? And how can we receive that from God and not be willing to give that to our own children? So it's important that, that we do that. So we love unconditionally. We love long. And the last one is a hard one. And it's that we love tough. We love tough. And that's in those first uh, verses, starting in verse 11 through verse 20. Let me just read through those again you can follow along jesus continued there was a man who had two sons the younger one said to his father father give me my share of the estate so he divided up uh, his property between them not long after that the younger son uh, got together all he had set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living after he had spent everything there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need 
So he went and hired himself out to citizens of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired uh, men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. Verse 18, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. Here's the thing that we need to learn about loving tough. With this son, when he left, things went south quick, didn't they? Now, again, I'm not sure the exact time frame, but not long, it says, after he left, after he gathered his stuff, not long after he left, he blew it. He wasted his money on wild living, you know, sex, drug, and rock and roll. I don't know, maybe they weren't, it wasn't rock and roll uh, back in that day. But uh, he, he was just living wild. He was going against everything that he had been brought up with. And uh, just to, to know that that was happening, things went south fast. But listen, the father did not follow him. The father did not bail him out when he got in trouble. The father did not call ahead to one of his friends and say, hey, my son's going through a little rough time. If you don't mind, see if you can set him up with a job because he's going to need something to help him make ends meet. He didn't do any of that. He let the son experiences, experience the consequences of his, of his rebellion. So loving tough allows your children to experience the consequences of their rebellion. Listen, I know this is hard. I know it is. In, in the small ways that I've had to do this as a parent, it's not easy. And some of you may have already been, been in this situation and you're doing that. And instead of, sometimes if it's not major things, maybe to let them experience their own uh, consequences of their rebellion, it means letting them fail a test at school. What? I can't do that for my child. My child's got to make straight A's. If your child's going to rebel and your child's not going to study and they're not going to listen to you and you go behind the scenes and you do all the stuff to give them the answers and, and help them to make a good grade because you don't want them to have a, a good grade on their report card, you are enabling them. And the best thing you could do is let that child fail that test and let him see what it feels like to fail a test. Maybe next time he'll study. It's not going to ruin him for life, right? Those are small things. Maybe in a smaller way, it's just those little things that are not life-threatening. Some of you maybe, maybe have experienced some things where your children have done some things that literally could have taken their life. Maybe they're doing drugs, or maybe they're doing stuff that, that you just had no idea they would do, and it's hard for you to sit back and watch that happen, knowing that there's really not a whole lot that you can do about it. And I'm not, I'm not suggesting that intentionally we sit back and say, okay, you know, I'm going to watch and this is going to happen and you're really going to get hurt and maybe if there's something I can help, then I'm just going to sit back and say, ha-ha, I told you so. But what happens a lot of times is because of our feelings and what we don't want to see happen to the children, we easily are willing to step up and remove them from experiencing any consequences. Cliff talked about this when he talked about the discipline, that parents oftentimes, they will never let their children experience the blame of what what they have experienced it's always the teacher's fault it's always somebody else's fault it's always it's always that that leader it's always somebody else 
Never your child's fault. Listen, I want you to perk up. If you didn't listen last week, go back and go back and look at that on our website. If, if, uh, if it's always somebody else's fault, you need to tune in because you are setting your child up for failure. Your child is not perfect. And the best thing that you can do for that child, especially at an early age, is begin to let them, age-appropriately, experience the consequences of their rebellion. They might cry. They might not like it. You're, not, you're doing that not because you don't care for them, but you're doing that because you do care for them. And there are probably, I would say, parents in this auditorium this morning who have older children who, when it gets to a certain extent and you are really out of control, they will tell you, please, do it now. Start young. Do it now because if, if, if when they get to those teenage years or those college-age years and they start rebelling, you really don't have control over them then. So start now. Don't be afraid to let your children experience the consequences of their rebellion. That's tough love. I know it's hard, but I believe it's what the Bible shows that we can do. And this father shows a good example. He doesn't, he doesn't act like he doesn't care for the child, but he lets that child experience whatever it is that he experiences. When the child comes back, he accepts him unconditionally and loves him and shows him what it's like to receive love. Again, I know this has got to be the most difficult thing that you can do. But remember that we do it because we love them. Now, this is not a good example and it's about our dog, which is not a child, but it's gaining quick status in the family. Cliff has Buddy. We have Max. Max is not a human, but you could probably not convince him of this at this time. And it's our fault because we've made him believe that he is almost equal to us by the way that he's treated. But here, here's an example of, of tough love from an animal perspective. We have our dog. We love our dog. Our dog has been on a, uh, um, a zip line since he's been old enough to, to be outside. Pretty good distance, but not real far. Not as far as from here to the back of the wall that he had free reign to kind of run a little bit. Uh, it began to get complicated for us. And when the weather was bad, and he was in a big mud hole, basically. And it, some, just circumstance after circumstance led me to the bright idea that maybe we need one of those wireless senses that has the collar that shocks them, you know, if they get too close. And so I decided that was the way that we're going to go. Uh, and we did. And let me tell you this. Because we love that dog, we wanted him to be able to experience what it meant to run around in the yard freely, at least in a more limited, uh, a less limited space than he had. I put the collar on the dog. I read the instructions. The instructions say... Put the flags up. How many of you have one of these senses? A couple of you do. Put the flags up. You're going to train the dog. You take the dog. You take one your dog's favorite treat. You give the dog a treat. The dog's happy. You walk around. Let him look at the flags. You give him a treat. You take him close to the edge of the flag. You throw a treat over the boundary so that when he goes and gets it, he gets it. Well, Max, he's all happy, you know. Hey, Dad's got me out in the yard. He's feeding me baloney, <laughs> you know. And I'm feeding him baloney. Good boy, Max. Good boy. Get up close to the fence, and I toss one over the line. And Max goes, <laughs> Now, listen. That sounds kind of cruel. 
but it didn't kill him. <laughs> he did squall, though. And you know, before it shocks him, the thing beeps. Beep, beep. It lets them know, hey, you're getting too close, and if you go anymore, you're fixing to get it. So, but it didn't kill him, and that, that sounds kind of mean. But listen, in, in all honesty, we did that for his benefit because we wanted him to be able to have a larger yard to be able to run around in, not be on a leash, not be on a chain. He could pretty much come and go as he pleased as long as he stayed within the boundaries that we had set for him. And I want to tell you, it works. I mean, he'll, he's afraid to go from here to the flag. When we used to pull, if, if we would have pulled out of the driveway in our car without him on a leash, he would have chased us all the way up to Gross Meadow Road and farther if he could have kept up with us. Now he barks and does a little shelty spin and spins around on us, but he, he's, from, he's from here to there to the driveway because he knows that he's limited on how far he can go. And if he ever hears that beep, and he did that a couple times as of the next couple of days as I let him around, I got him close enough to let it beep but not shock him. And when he heard that beep, buddy, he tucked tail and was ready to go back to the garage, right? So, so that could be interpreted as being very mean to it. How cruel that you would shock a dog. How cruel that is. But it didn't kill him. He's more happy now, I think, than he ever has. And now, if I take the collar off on him when he's in the house the next morning when I, I want to put him out, he sniffs the collar and he licks it. He loves his collar. Now, that's kind of a silly example with a dog. But listen, it's, it's real similar with what I'm talking about. Tough love means setting those boundaries. And sometimes when those children want to cross those boundaries, we have to let them get shocked. We have to let them experience the consequences of their rebellion. Not so that we can keep a thumb on them. Not so that we can keep them rained down. But as parents, God has given us the responsibility of setting those appropriate boundaries so that our children are not harmed. And we need to set those boundaries and then be able to let them experience what happens when they go against those so they can learn that is not appropriate. That's not what's best for me. That's not good for me. There are better things that I have and I need to stay within these boundaries that my parents have set for me that God has given them to lead me. So children, as you're listening to this, realize you're going to test your parents. You're going to push them right to the edge and then the other one's going to come behind them and push them over. You've done it, right? You're going to be rebellious. That's, that's, I'm not making light of that, but listen, your parents have a responsibility uh, before God to set those boundaries for you. And if you're going to act stupid, they're going to let you experience some things that are probably going to be discomfortable for, uh, uncomfortable for you. But you need to learn there are appropriate things to do. And they do that because they love you. Not because they're being mean. Not because they're being hateful. Not because they want to control you. They're doing that because they love you. So if we, um, so uh, the best time to, to start this tough love, obviously, is with the small things. It's early on. It's not letting your kids get away with everything. It's letting them experience the consequences. Early on, whatever it is, if it means that when they steal that piece of gum that you walk them back in the store and make them apologize to the owner for what they've done and give it back to them, realizing that it's wrong. That's something very, very small. I don't know if there's a child around. If you haven't done it, don't do it. Most adults, you know, somebody at some point chooses to just pick something up, and I think I'll just put that in my pocket because that was kind of nice. And a lot of times, very innocently as children, something very small. Very small things that we've talked about discipline. When you tell your children to do something that you just don't make rules and then don't go by them, that doesn't work. 
I could have put those flags up for Max and put that collar on him, but not turned the electricity on, and he would have never learned anything and would still be running and chasing us if I didn't turn the electricity on. So if you make those rules, you've got to stick with them. Again, Cliff talked about a lot of that, and we talked about discipline, so go back and, and look at that. But the best time to start tough love is when, with the small things. Now, here's, here's, uh, here's uh, as I close up, here's what I want you to think about. These are those, those three things that, that we love unconditionally, that we love long, and we love tough. You can go back and read that story, read the rest of it, and there are other biblical passages, but that's just a great story um, to help us understand how to parent, and especially when our children leave and don't do what we've wanted them to do. Be reminded of this. And just this morning, as I was sitting right back there waiting to come out to speak, uh, I felt like God just kind of said this to me. You know, you're, you're talking a lot to the parents and how to deal with that. But for just one second, because I have no idea where you are, you may be the child here this morning. I don't care how old you are. You may be a grown adult, but you're still a child. And you're the one who's rebelled. And you're still there. You're still staying away. You're still being hateful or whatever. I want you to know that God loves you. And just like the example in this passage, He is a Father who is waiting for you to turn back to Him with open arms to accept you and to love you. You still may have experienced consequences of your rebellion. There still may be things in the future that you've done that you're going to have to answer for. But that does not change God's unconditional love for you. And He wants you to return to Him. It may be that you've just been mad at God. You've just been angry. And I don't know, maybe something's happened in your life and you're just ticked off at God and you've been showing Him by being rebellious. You still show up to church, but you do it just because somebody's made you come or you want to please your spouse or whatever. But inside you know that you're far from God. God wants you to return to Him. He's ready for you to come back. He's waiting for you, looking for you to return to Him. So I would challenge you uh, to do that. And then there's just two things here as, as we try to apply this. You may have children, and you're saying, hey, my children are young, or my children are old. God has blessed us. We've not, I don't, we've not experienced anything you're talking about, Donnie. I would say this. Just praise God for that. Praise God that your children have not rebelled and that he's helping you to continue to be a good parent. You might want to keep these notes handy somewhere in the event that something happens. You've got something to go back on because if they have been that good and if things have been going so well and something does go wrong, it's going to upset your world because you won't be expecting it. Don't flip out, but have the Bible to go back on and say, now how, how are we going to respond? How are we going to act if this happens? But just praise God for, for that being a, a good time for, for things to be going the way they go. And then maybe you are experiencing some rebellion. It might be very small. Your children are small. They're not doing anything wild and crazy or things that would be harmful to their life. But they're just being rebellious. I would challenge you to go back to these three areas and look and see how are we doing. Where, where would we might be missing the mark that would help our children get back on track with us and with God. Or maybe they are like I've talked about, and you've got some kids that are way out there somewhere, and you've been praying for years, and you have no idea if they're ever going to come back. And it's very painful, and it's very hurtful, and they've done some things that have been very wrong. Take these principles and apply them to that relationship. They need to know that you love them. Not that you condone what they do, not that you're, it's no big deal, but that you love them. Forget the conditions. 
They need to love that you're going. They need to know that you're going to continue to love them. You're not going to do something that's going to change my love for you, and it's not going to come a time to where I say, "Okay, I'm done with you. I'm 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 with you from from now until the end. I love you." That's not going to change. And then the tough part may be, you might be enabling some of their behavior. Maybe you're always giving in. Maybe you're giving them the extra money that you know they always go and buy drugs with, but you feel like they've got to have something or they're going to be hungry. It might be time for them to experience the consequences of their rebellion. Don't enable them. Don't help them. Love them. Let them know that you're there for them. Let them know that God is there for them. Pray with me. God, we thank you most of all that in everything that, that I've said this morning as we look in your word, there's no way we can do any of this on our own. Thank you that you have given us the example that I don't need to look any farther than in my own relationship with you to realize that I've rebelled against you, that you've shown me unconditional love, that you've stuck with me. You're not going to leave me, Lord, and I thank you for that. And that it has been tough. And there have been times when I've had to experience the consequences of my rebellion. But Lord, I thank you for that. And so as we think about being parents and what it means to parent in a way that is uh, pleasing to you, help us to realize, first of all, that, that we have an example of how you have shown all of this to us. Let us transfer that to our children. Unconditionally that we love them that we stick with them and love them long. And Lord, we have the courage and the strength to be able to practice love that's tough with them. We depend on you to help us. We know it's not a magic pill. Our choice is to be obedient to you. Our prayer is that our children's choice will be obedient to you by being obedient to us. We just thank you for that. Give us strength, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.